Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And my name is Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, we update you on what's happening in the British Airways fleet, American Airlines makes a shot across Delta's bow. How much longer will the 737 MAX grounding drag on and Aegean Airlines gets a smart new look? Plus, Airbus shakes up a century-old idea of what a plane looks like. So, let us begin. Do you want to start today, Joe? I think that would be a good idea. So really the biggest news in the the last week, particularly for uh, frequent flyers, um, is that Alaska Airlines has announced its intention to join OneWorld. Um, And this is a really big deal because Alaska has been an independent airline free of any alliance for the longest time. Um, Now they're looking to join in summer 2021. And this is going to come along with um, some deep coordination of domestic US schedules with American Airlines, and particularly a a massive assault really on Seattle um, and also LAX. Um, So Alaska already co-chairs with American Airlines, but this is really a signal of a a deeper collaboration and obviously the integration with all the other airlines that are in the One World Alliance. So for Alaska passengers, it's it's good news really. they will, once they've fully joined the One World Alliance, they will have access to some 1,200 destinations on 13 different airlines. And obviously that comes with other benefits such as lounge access and uh, uh, frequent flyer benefits. So what did you make of this news, Tom? Well, it's certainly been a very interesting time for the One World Alliance because um, obviously we've had LATAM is going to be leaving, and then Royal Air Maroc is joining slightly later this year. Um, But this one really caught me off guard. Um, I wasn't at all expecting the announcement of another keen party. Um, I think it's important to sort of stress that it's Alaska Airlines intending to join One World, and um, there's nothing actually confirmed yet. Mm but especially with the um, integration of Royal Air Maroc into the alliance, it will give passengers a huge boost in the number of destinations that they can easily access. And that's great for, for One World loyalists. You know, this is all top news for them, really. Um, but you've got to kind of feel that it's a little bit of getting their own back at Delta on behalf of American Airlines. Um, I mean... There's been a long-running um, kind of rivalry between these these two giant airlines, hasn't there? And uh, along with the announcement of Alaska's intention to join the alliance was a, a simultaneous announcement of American Airlines adding flights to Bangalore and also to London out of Seattle. Now, Seattle is a major Delta hub and they've been building their networking capacity there for the longest time. Um so from March 2021, uh, oh, sorry, from October this year, they're going to be flying to Bangalore. And from March 21, it's going to be London as well. And Alaska is going to optimize their own schedules to feed into these routes for American Airlines. So do you think this is somehow getting their own back at Delta for the whole Latam thing? 
Well, I mean, they were looking at LATAM before Delta swooped in with that partnership there. So it's entirely possible, but at the end of the day, we're never going to be able to say for certain. No, absolutely. And these things happen behind closed doors and in very secret boardrooms. But it certainly seems like uh, the rivalry is not going away, is it? And uh, I think for Delta, it's got to be a little bit of a worrying signal because they've always led the way, particularly on, um, you know, corporate traffic going from Seattle to um, both Asia and Europe because of their extensive network on the American side. Now, Alaska's actually got a superior a domestic network to Delta out of Seattle. So for American Airlines to tie up there and then provide flights to London and to India, it's really going to be interesting to see which way this goes. Um, I, I saw a quote from Brett Caitlin, who is Alaska's Managing Director of Alliances. He, he told Skiff that they were planning to aggressively compete for the corporate traffic on these routes. Um, so they're really looking at being a feeder to American Airlines at Seattle. Um, so really, the question is, what's Delta going to do next? You know, it's kind of a tit for tat thing going on here. And I really think uh, there's going to be a move from Delta soon. There's got to be. And my prediction personally is either they're going to really add some capacity at Miami to try and push American Airlines out there or potentially doing a lot more in South America with their new LATAM tie-up. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the longer term. But in the short term, great news for Alaska Airlines, great news for One World Travellers, I think, is the overall message. Yeah. And with the addition of the route to London, then that will also tie up perfectly with another One World member, British Airways. And <laughs> yes. Uh, the next thing I'd like to talk about is um, what's happening with the British Airways fleet. Because um, there's been some interesting stuff this week with that. Um, so let's start with the A3 AE50, um, which uh, British Airways has now received a quarter of. Um, this means they've got, it sounds like a huge number, but um, in reality, it means they've got five aircraft now, um, which is actually slightly more than a quarter. But of course, you can't take delivery of two-fifths of an aircraft. Um, so <laughs> That wouldn't be very useful. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so they've now got their fifth aircraft, which is Golf um, XWBE, um, and that's going to be ahead of them launching um, United States flights with the type in March. Um, however, the airline had already been planning to have the 787-10 in its fleet by this point. It had been targeting a January um, delivery for that, and I believe that it was already in the schedules for around about now before it was postponed. Um, so that's still a work in progress. Um, mm -hmm. We'll have to wait and see what's happening there. Um, but I'd like to hear what you think about this, because obviously when the 787-10 is delivered, it will have the old first class product and the new club world product. Um, so if you had to pick one of those, which would you pick? It will be interesting, won't it, Tom? I mean, you know, the, the new club world product, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to try for myself, but I know you have. And uh, you rave about it. You love it, don't you? So, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I, I was off trying the uh, the Virgin Atlantic version of the uh, the club suite or their new upper class product, which was also delivered on the A350. So, um, you know, I think Club World is incredible. It's a great makeover. But it does beg the question, does anybody really need first? I mean, you know, the old first class product probably has the edge if you take into account all the service upgrades and the food upgrades that come with it. But really, do you want to pay that much extra when you've already got the kind of life flat seat with the door and the big TV? You know, I, I think they'll struggle to fill that cabin, um, apart from obviously all the free upgrades and the, the loyalty people that are getting bumped up. But uh, what do you think, Tom? Do you think they'll be able to sell it? Um, well, it's interesting because um, this question was asked of the CEO of British Airways, Alex Cruz, when we went on the media flight of um, the A350, and he didn't seem to be that worried because um, at the end of the day, you're still going to get like your celebrities are going to pick first class and this yeah. and that because um, the cabin, although you don't end up with a door like the Club World Suite has, it's do you really need it in first class because it's already a very exclusive and private cabin? There's only eight um, passengers in that cabin at most compared to the Club World cabin, which takes up almost half of the aircraft. Yeah. Um, and you still get your first class lounge access, you still get the enhanced food and all of the soft product that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it will drag some passengers down, but not everybody. Yeah. Well, wish I was a celebrity and I could pick one of those uh, first class cabins. But five A350s already is great, isn't it? You know, that's uh, amazing to see and obviously gives uh, flyers much more opportunity to, to jump on board that exciting new aircraft. And uh, I think we can both agree that it's a game changer aircraft and, and great to see in both of the big British carriers fleets here. So uh, um, moving on. So Airbus came up with something at the Singapore Air Show, which is called the Model Aircraft for Validation and Experimentation of Robust Innovative Controls. Not a very catchy name, I think you'll agree. Um, but handily, the acronym makes uh, the word Maverick, which is obviously a, a lovely Top Gun reference as well. So uh, this is I'm what they're feeling, calling it. <laughs> I'm feeling that this one must be where they've taken the acronym and then tried to find something that fits in rather than the <laughs> other way around. Yeah, possibly, possibly. We'll look forward to uh, the future Airbus iterations of um, <laughs> other key figures from Top Gear. But, Maybe um, they'll do a goose next. <laughs> that would be nice. I'd look forward to that. Um, this aircraft, it really kind of changes the way we think about the way aircraft are designed. So, you know, for almost a century now, over a century, in fact, we've been seeing aircraft as essentially metal tubes with a wing on each side and some engines somewhere about underneath. Um, but this is what they call a blended wing fuselage. So the fuselage actually becomes part of the wings and the aircraft is kind of a more delta shaped design without kind of big wings sticking out at the sides. And that that presents some interesting concepts and challenges for, for the adoption of, of this kind of design. Now, Airbus say that the CO2 emissions will be driven down 20% just from this a different way of designing a plane. Um, it also lends itself to new forms of propulsion. So in the the model that they brought to Singapore Air Show, it had two engines mounting kind of on the top at the back of the fuselage. They are apparently ideal for um, 
integrating with electronic engines or hybrid engines. So it's really exciting to see. Um, there was one issue with the plane that they brought to Singapore Air Show in that the fact that you couldn't actually get in it because it was only 3.2 metres wide and two metres long. However, <laughs> this is a, a scale model and it's kind of further than other out there plane designs have got. You know, we've, we've talked in the past on Simple Flying about the Flying V, which was developed by TU Delft with KLM and also uses a kind of delta wing um, design, a, a blended wing design for the, the aircraft. Um, but the Airbus one obviously has its own propulsion and it did take off. So Airbus is saying, you know, the engineering on this works. It's not just a paper plane. It really is built, although not big enough to carry people. And it, it is going to work. So I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I think, you know, aircraft haven't been had a real redesign forever, really. Um, would you jump on it, Tom? Well, that's the kind of thing that I'm wondering. Will it even um, take off as a design? Because... The aircraft hasn't really evolved in the past 100 years beyond a round fuselage with a wing sticking out. And mm -hmm. these ideas have kind of been explored a little bit before, not in depth. Um, but do you think it could really revolutionise? Because I kind of get the impression that um, the aviation industry as a whole at the moment is in and if it doesn't if it's not broken don't fix it don't fix it kind yeah of exactly mode with the design <laughs> no i all, i completely agree on that front i think there's an awful lot of barriers to overcome before we do see anything like this in in real life if you like um you know apart from the fact that it's not going to fit at any airport gates you're going to have an issue getting passengers onto it you know but i mean we have seen ground baking designs in the past you know the concorde was very different and people did fly it although not many people because it was so damn expensive but people did fly it they weren't scared of it and they did go for it however the the um, maverick aircraft you know there's there's a bunch of stuff they need to sort out with that it's going to need new gates at the airport it's going to need some real strong thinking about where you put the emergency exits because it is wider than it is long, if you like. So the whole kind of front to back plane concept isn't going to work anymore. Um, you know, it, it does give airlines more room to play with. We could see some really exciting innovations in terms of cabin concepts here. But, you know, an awful lot of passengers are flying without a window. An awful lot are going to be away from any form of emergency escape exit. So I do think it's a long way off. If we do see anything like this, I certainly don't see it on the market in the next sort of 10 to 20 years. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I think it would definitely be sort of futuristic for now. <laughs> <laughs> so from something futuristic to something that's, what, 70 years old, Tom? Let's catch up on the 737, shall we? Okay, so it's been another interesting week for the 737 MAX because the grounding has unsurprisingly been extended again. Um, and I say unsurprisingly because it's, it's, it's news when this happens, but the same way it's not news because it, every month we seem to get the same story out of the big three, um, Southwest American and United. They seem to take it in turns to be the first to announce that um, they've extended the grounding. But then once they do that, the other two jump on board um, straight away. Um, and this time it was Southwest that led. They said that they're not going to have the aircraft back until August and 
Uh, American Airlines joined them by saying the 18th of August. However, what was interesting about this specific one is that United went out and said that they're not planning to have it back until the 4th of September, um, which breaks from the sort of tradition that they've had of sticking closely to each other's dates. Um, Yeah, that's quite an extension, isn't it? The extra sort of three weeks there. Yeah, and I mean, whether this date will even be adhered to is another story because um, it's entirely possible that next month the free will delay it another month um, yeah. but I'm not going to say that they will um, it seems to be the the never-ending story doesn't it you know I'm I'm still struggling to get my head around the fact that it's almost been grounded for an entire year already yeah. you know it feels like yesterday when it all kind of kicked off but hmm. uh, it's interesting certainly and the message from Boeing and the FAA is that you know things are moving along um, yeah you know, the but FAA it's still very it's, much a, a case of We'll do it when we'll do it, and we won't say when we'll do it. Exactly, exactly. FAA are being very positive and saying we're almost ready for test flights. You know, we're we're progressing towards milestones, um, but there's no timeline. They won't put a, a date on it or a, a time frame on it at all. And Boeing just maintains mid year, mid year. So. Um, obviously, Boeing maintained lots of other dates before that as well, <laughs> which have now all come and gone. So, you re- really, the thing is, we just don't know, do we? And, I, uh, I think this is one of those things where it certainly will be until it happens, we don't know. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, other things you can kind of gauge, like when a new aircraft, um, say when British Airways' first aircraft took its first, um, first A350 took its first flight, you kind of knew, oh, they're going to get the aircraft in, like, two or three months. Whereas... With yeah. this, it's really a, we'll have to wait and see. It must be an absolute nightmare for the airlines trying to plan their schedules. And, uh, you know, I think they've all kind of come to the conclusion that it's easier just to pull it out of the schedules for longer than perhaps they think than it is to put it in the schedules and then try and remove it again later. So. Yeah. Hopefully they're erring on the side of caution and we may see a max in the skies before the summer's completely over. We'll have, we'll to, have wait to wait and, and see. see. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, to finish off today, I really wanted to talk about um, a little European airline called Aegean. Um, Now, they've been around forever, but I don't expect that many people will have flown on them. Um, But they have been, uh, they've had a bit more spotlight shone on them over the last week um, because they did a very exciting Facebook live stream revealing their brand new livery, adorning their brand new A320 Neo. Um, So the airline actually has 46 Neos on order and six of them are going to be delivered this year. So with this new fleet came a new look for Aegean Airlines. Um, And they've been working with the the UK-based agency Priestman Good, who are, um, they're they're very well known. They do lots of kind of designy things in in aviation as well as other industries. Um, And I think you'll agree, Tom, the livery is a complete change. Um, I'm not sure how excited I am by it. It's a bit kind of standard Euro white with a bit of colour on it. Um, But it is totally different. And I think it is a refresh, even if it's not the most groundbreaking of refreshes. I mean, I quite like the tail because the tail, I think, is very different to um, other sort of typical Euro white tails, um, which are just the colour with a logo. This is sort of very inspiring um <laughs> but again it is if you took the the pattern off of the tail and the name off of the front of the aircraft 
it could be anything. It could be Lufthansa. It could be anyone's. Yeah, it Lot, could. It's you know. very Euro-white indeed. But, uh, you know, having had a bit of contact with the design agency, actually some of their thought processes behind the, the new livery and the new logo and everything was was quite interesting. You know, they said that they were inspired by Greek architecture and, you know, the way that they've curved the lettering is kind of reminiscent of the Aegean Sea and the the the, uh, the skies of Greece as well. So, you know, they've really got on board with what the airline is all about and uh, tried to create something brand new. And it's not just the outside of the plane either. You know, the, the cabins have been redesigned. So there's new cushions, new amenity kits, stitching on the seats. You know, it's all new. Um, and obviously the logo and they've kind of it's the rebranding of the airline. It's not just a new look. It's about changing the direction of the airline for the future. Um, and during the Facebook live stream, the CEO, Mr. Georgianis, said that that we can now expect Aegean 2.0. And he's promising 24 months of creative innovation in products and services. So hopefully we'll be looking at a new Aegean going forward and something that's maybe a bit more uh, in the limelight in terms of the international stage. Um, there's been some interesting stuff going on at the airline over the last sort of uh, six to 12 months. Um, they, they achieved a new passenger traffic record last year. There's 11 new routes due to open this year, which will add some 1.5 million seats um, from Greece around Europe and longer haul as well. Um, they're talking about buying Croatia Airlines. You know, they've diversified away from Athens. Most of their new routes are coming out of Thessaloniki and Corfu. So, it's really exciting, actually. And I think, um, you know, for anyone that loves to fly Aegean Airlines or enjoys holidaying in Greece, it really gives them another feasible option for an airline to consider. Have you flown them before, Tom? I, I haven't I actually. I haven't, no. I was, I'm going to Greece um, later this year and I was looking at them, but they didn't have any direct flights to where I wanted to go, unfortunately. Um, right. But no, I, I, I know um, other members of the Simple Flying team have, but yes, um, not for me personally, unfortunately. Maybe we'll get to change that soon. Yeah, I know Nick flew with Aegean um, perhaps at the end of last summer, and I know that he wasn't incredibly impressed by particularly the food and the service. So <laughs> if the CEO's promising some big moves in those on those fronts, then... Uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get to see something new and improved as we go forward. Hmm. What I found actually interesting about the reveal is that, um, like most livery reveals, they come out of the paint shop, um, and that's what you get. However, with this, we ended up having um, the aircraft was delivered from Airbus with the new livery attached, but obviously you get the point of how can you do that? Um, so they actually had a lot of basically white plastic stuck all over the outside yes. covering anything <laughs> of interest um they did and then, they were they were super careful with it you know i don't yeah. know quite how they managed it because there's enough spotters out there that you generally get a leaked photograph plenty yeah. in advance of the reveal but uh, this one was really kept quiet <laughs> one thing that i did find interesting about the reveal as well was that it, it i had a sense of deja vu watching it you know um, and I looked it up and it's incredibly similar to the opening ceremony from last year's Eurovision, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I can see where you got that from, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I did look it up um, to check whether it was the same video and it wasn't. Um, but clearly it was enough to make me think, hang on a second. 
it was very glamorous, wasn't it? A very aspirational mm. with pictures of, of Greece and cyclists and surfers and uh, all completely unrelated to airlines, but never mind. <laughs> it kind of made people happy, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I did enjoy how they revealed the plane with the kind of lasers and the smoke and the bringing it to life bit by bit with the lettering all outlined. So uh, maybe if you didn't get a chance to watch the live stream, you can go look it up on Facebook and watch it again because it was it was pretty cool. You know, it was up there with us all on uh, aircraft reveals. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I still don't think it quite beats the ANA A380 reveal in Toulouse Oh, really? <laughs> that was quite special. <laughs> it's certainly something we look forward to, new aircraft reveals. And uh, every airline seems to have mm. their own take on how to do it. So, I think that's it for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.